Uh, welcome back to the Couch Command. My name is Keith Hayward. I'm the host of the Couch Com- uh, Couch Command podcast on PopGeeks.com. With me today, I have MJ. Greetings and salutations. Thanks for having me back. Right on. And also I have Isaac. Hey, thanks for having me. From Lobstermanic Reviews on YouTube. And yeah, we're just going to be uh, talking about what we've been geeking on for a couple minutes. And uh, yeah, so it sounds like Isaac, you have something you want to talk about. All right. Oh, boy. So, you, you, so all right. So I'll, I'll go with my more conventional thing, and then I'll start off with my unconventional thing. So the more conventional thing that I can uh, safely recommend to everyone is called uh, – I think I talked about it before. I started watching it, and I watched the whole thing called Million Tag, which is basically a reality competition show um, uh, about aspiring manga artists. Uh, so basically, you know, each a manga artist uh, who's an up-and-comer pairs with an editor, uh, and they – basically do these like series of challenges to see if they can get one uh, officially published by Shueisha uh, on their website uh, and a Netflix anime deal and like uh, I don't know thirty thousand dollars five million yen which is like thirty thousand dollar cash prize um, so they have like uh, all these editor teams and I, I watched it with my friend who's like a big manga anime guy so we, we had a great time watching it um, for me it was super illuminating because for, uh, I love uh, manga I read a shit ton of manga i follow so many different series and to me the reason why i love the medium so much is i feel like it's the purest version of um you know authoritarian uh, uh why am i messing up the uh, it's authoritarian, hard to say. authoritarian uh, i think yeah, a, a tutorial atten- intent. Like uh, a movie has many different cooks in the kitchen. There's screenwriters, right. the producers, they're, they're all of different varying degrees of power, all fighting for control. Um, animation has, has so many different cooks. TV is so many different cooks. While uh, a, a manga, it, it just has the uh, the editor. The artist, uh, maybe his assistants, but they don't have as much power and whether or not it sells well. So you live and die upon that. It's just these like Japanese men and women stuck in their little offices, uh, studios and they create culture from their pen. They, they create this incredible all encompassing mass culture. And uh, to me, I, I think it is one of the most interesting creative processes, uh, in the effect that these people have, um, uh, you know, uh, it's funny, you, you talked about, like, you know, they love Miles, you know, kids love Miles Morales, but they only love him for the movie. They don't give a shit about the ca- character. Nobody right. talks about the Miles M- Morales uh, uh, comic, comic books. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and, like, you know, the, the biggest indictment of the character is the fact that Miles Morales, um, you know, they did the, what if Miles Morales was Thor? What if Miles oh, yeah. Morales was Wolverine? And, and, like, the Thor one was just basically, you know, what if we make Ugh. Thor and Asgard black? <laughs> Yeah, which, you know, despite being like kind of like, you know, low key version of racism is also like this is the the defining aspect. It's not like, oh, what is uh, what makes Miles interesting that he gets these powers? What what does yeah as a person? uh, What does that affect? What is his worldview or ethics? uh, (laughs) That Miles Morales or ish was so bad. There was so many outright (laughs) stereotypes littered throughout that piece of crap. I can't believe it even got published. Like, what would Miles Morales be if it was from the creator of uh, if, if it was from the creator of uh, Into the Spider Verse, the one that was successful that really like focused on him as a person, like you know, like manga. If it was from like a creator that really had love and care and uh, creativity that you know won the audience from top down, yeah, what would Miles Morales be? 
Yeah, you can, I'm sure you, maybe you can make it. It's a dumb idea, but I'm sure there's someone out there who could probably write a good story. But it, it does not speak volumes to the character and his, uh, you know, creative intent. When that, that that's the best you could fucking come up with. Uh, as much as you say he's a breakup character, and uh, Spider Verse proves that you can make great Miles Morales story. I hear he's also really good in that uh, video game uh, with Spider Man. Uh, but like, uh, you know, you know, you, the people who are supposed to love Miles Morales are all like fucking talking about Naruto and Goku and uh, all. You know, Jujutsu Kaisen and all these manga characters. You know, there's a more fervent and more diverse community of people who like these than the things that are ostensibly made. So, to get an insight into like seeing one of these things uh, be brought up, and it's also super fascinating because, um, oh, my boy, my boy, my favorite editor in the game, the hottest guy, uh, Shaylin, or I'm probably ruining his name, but basically, so there's this one editor who I think is going to be like uh, years from now recognized as one of the greatest manga editors of all time. Uh, on par with the guy who like oversaw Toriyama uh, and was the head of Jump, uh, and he is the editor of Chainsaw Man, uh, as well as Spy Family, which is a huge hit. Uh, there's other up and coming series called Dan 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 Dan. He's also behind it, and he's just a legitimate hit maker, and, and like uh, he just dominates. And it's so fascinating to see his process. Because um, um, I never, you're the first person in my life who's ever brought up famous editors. For manga, um, I've like for me, like manga is always about the guy who, or guy or girl who writes and draws it. What does the editor do? That's that is important. That makes they, it hits. They it, well, watch watch million tag, and you will All see. Right. You will see. They make lots of creative decisions. Like, um, here's a little insight that they uh, gave you. Um, uh, editor has a lot of control. Uh, you're right. The cra- they're kind of like the, the, their role is to kind of coach and get the best material. They're like they're kind of like horse managers, uh, and, and like the manga artists are like the jockeys. So, like one interesting insight from the show was the like I, I don't know. Either of you familiar with Demon Slayer? Yes. Uh, all right. Around, yeah. So Demon Slayer is a super popular anime uh, and manga, uh, probably one of the mo- most popular ones of the of the world right now. Uh, and like one of the power systems they have is like the Demon Slayers themselves. They have these unique breathings, uh, and they're all elemental based, uh, metaphorical things. So there's water breathing, there's rock breathing, there's stone breathing, uh, mist breathing, etc. Um, mm-hmm. But originally, water breathing didn't exist. It was just going to be like the name, you know, Uraki, the the mentor of the main guy. It was just going to be Uraki's breathing. T- technique but the editor told uh you know on the manga artist uh, uh it should be water breathing so basically the entire power system of demon slayer was derived um from that one note interesting all right um can they are they anything like a showrunner like uh, a little uh, well they, they don't they're not like creating it uh but they, you know since they're like the direct authority from the publisher you know their creative decisions are ultimately would determine what makes it to the uh you know ultimately gets published uh they they're kind of like um the authorial uh intent or the uh you know the, the, the editor they, they gotcha. it, it doesn't make it to print unless they they ultimately has their okay and if it does well then uh their career rises they continue to maintain or if it doesn't do well then maybe they get booted out as well so it's in their interests so gotcha. uh, uh it was super interesting to see him work and it was super interesting because they also uh dragged uh tatsuki fujimoto in to like be a judge for uh several bits so i'm always happy to see the my my favorite beloved insane chainsaw man 
Batman guy, uh, dragged from his hovel and forced to give editorial advice, which is super fascinating. They also had this other guy who used to be his assistant, who now has an anime that's really popular right now called Hell's Paradise, which adapted from his manga. So they dragged him out and he gave advice to the aspiring people. But like, uh, all right, so I'll give you an example. Um, and, and spoiler alert, but uh, it shouldn't be surprising. Shaylin wins. Uh, he dominates. Uh, he doesn't win initially, so there's a little bit of peaks and valleys. So it's really interesting because, like, I went in, I knew the end point. That's kind of like what made me aware of it. So I was like, oh, I, I, I got to see this. I, I got to see how he wins. So it was super interesting because, like, the guy he was coaching was like this super melancholy, depressed guy. He was like miserable. I don't think I can do it. Uh, I don't. I can't find a good idea. I don't. And to see him like coach him into like the uh, so the, the ultimate manga that won is he had an idea of like um doing like two musicians and a love story about these two musician characters but then the editor shaylin said maybe one of them should be something different how about one of them becomes an animator uh mm-hmm. and that one suggestion completely changed the entire focus of the story so and it's a pretty good interesting series it's called motion and beat so basically it's about this kind of like awkward guy who wants to be an animator uh and then he meets up with this girl who's like an aspiring musician who's about to take off and his ultimate dream is to become a animator who's good enough to like make a music video for her so cool. it's, it's wonderful interesting it's this interesting introspective series about um uh, ambition, uh, artistic intent, uh, failing dreams, but striving forward, uh, because he wants to be a musician at first, but he fails at it, but then going back to his animation. And, uh, so I, I'm really enjoying it. Uh, it was super fascinating, uh, to see all the artists competing and people commenting on their manga as well as watching it with my buddy, uh, since we, we both love this world. Uh, so Million Tag is super interesting if you were even remotely familiar with uh, manga. Uh, I, I couldn't recommend it enough. It's super interesting to see how this world works and how uh, this industry that seems to be running laps on the American comic world <laughs> right now in terms of like sales and cultural relevance and um, what goes on behind the scenes in terms of like you know creating these uh, mass supermarket uh, marketable characters that uh, capture the hearts and minds of people around the globe. Where can you find it? Um, I will provide a link. Uh, I think it's on the show because basically the the show is just like a. To be honest, it, it is just an extended commercial for Shonen Jump Plus, which is like the uh, digital version of uh, Shueisha's uh, Shonen Jump brand. So, mm-hmm. so basically, the whole idea is like you'll get into Shonen Jump Plus. Oh, what a great way! Look at all these other titles. You'll be a hit manga like the upcoming Kaiju Number Eight or um, what was the other one? Uh, Spy Family. Oh, isn't uh, sh- 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 you know it is essentially basically a, a commercial for that brand but at the same time it, it is the best most insight i've ever gotten into the behind the scenes manga creation so it is super fascinating um it's, so, uh, I, so it's subtitled uh yeah on youtube it is um so on youtube uh if you go into it um you you could turn on the english subtitles i think they added it because they knew it would draw an international audience but uh it, yeah uh, i'd highly recommend it um it's a super interesting reality I show. I included, I just included the link to it. Um, some of them are recap episodes, but for all the main episodes, uh, they all let you have that, um, you know, subtitle with English subtitles. And, uh, uh, it, w- it was a great watch. Like 12 uh, episodes. Yep, 12, well, more like 10 episodes. Uh, so not all of those are like, but th- th- that's the main playlist. Um, 
uh, yeah, so so if you're ever interested in seeing it or seeing how my boy Shaylin, uh, why he's the top dog, why he's the top G, why he's the soon to become best uh, editor of all time, uh, that that that's where you go. Gotcha. Yeah, I'm all about uh, learning more about the creative process and where all these things people love. Like, where does it come from? Uh, yeah, I'll probably be checking it out. I get added to my um my playlists. I, I, I was about you, to say uh, that the, the process sounds a lot like uh, the relationship between producers and musicians when they're um, recording albums. I mean, the producer sounds like he has a pretty similar role as uh, the editors do in that process. <laughs> yeah, uh, so I think if anyone who's even remotely curious, I think it's a super interesting watch. Nice. Um, all right. Um, all right. Anything else you've been geeking on, or should yes. we trade around? Uh, do you want to trade around, or do you want me to like uh, go with my? Ne- well, you know, do, do one of yours because the next one's also big, and it's also kind of like a. I don't want to steal the stage for too long, but uh, yeah, cool. the next one's. I'll say this much: it also has a reality TV theme. Okay. Well, yeah, we'll we'll go around the table. Um, yeah. Uh, MJ, you go next. Um. Recently, I uh, decided to wade my way back into. Uh, getting nostalgic over action figures and you know just got my tax refunds like oh i got a little more extra money that's cool then i just happened to see the uh, ad for mcfarland toys putting out the action figure of the connell superboy from the reign of superman from the 90s which kind of yes. lit a fire in me like man i've got a lot of i should probably take a look i haven't looked at any mcfarland action figures for a while and i was so dedicated to that comic book yeah, that series was cool, but then uh, there was a bunch of other action figures from that era that McFarlane put out that I've been wanting like 20, 25 years ago, and they just didn't have like uh, the Jean-Paul, Jean-Paul Valley um, Batman from Nightfall when nice, he took over dude. as Batman after Bane broke Bruce. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, and it just kind of opened the floodgates from there. I just started getting a bunch of uh, other action figures with me and to get for a while, like uh, Carrie Kelly from The Dark Knight Returns. Um, Thomas Wayne Batman from Flashpoint. Um, finally, it, you know, it's really hard to find a decent action figure of uh, Superman from Kingdom Come. McFarlane hasn't made one yet, and the ones that are out there are kind of, yeah, mm-hmm. middling. But, yeah, it's just been kind of a trip, and I went back and got uh, get, reacquired a bunch of uh, action figures that I had lost over the years, like uh, the uh, Big Four from the real Ghostbusters, the Peter and Ray and all them. I tracked those down again and got those back. And um, I didn't know they made a 30th anniversary figures of the Predators. They had a, one of the Jungle Hunter from the first movie and the one of the City Hunter from the second movie. So I got those and along with the Xenomorph because I haven't had one of those for a while. But then I finally swallowed my pride and put down the money and got this Samurai Boba Fett and Din Djarin from uh, Bandai. And uh, I got the picture in the chat there. Um, I've been lusting after those for the longest time, and I finally just said, okay, get it. Very nice. And yeah, yeah, so I just, uh, yeah, those pictures I have in the chat, that does just the displays I finally got around to putting up around my room, so. I am definitely looking through these, and yeah, the I called him Gene Paul, of course, as well as John Paul. John Paul Valley, you're actually making kind of wonder, like, I, I watched that from afar. Did you read those comic books at all? Oh yeah, Red Nightfall from start to finish. Were they good? Oh, uh, the the arc was pretty cool. Um, I, thought, I mean, in the end, I thought they kind of uh, did Jean Paul dirty because they, I mean, they had such a big build up with the sort of Azrael and 
you know, that was when Joe Quesada first hit the scene and he had designed the oh. armor for Azrael and then he designed the new Batman suit and yeah, the new Batman suit and it's still kind of, yeah, but I, I just, I really enjoyed reading the Night's Fall arc because that was just grueling to watch Bruce go through it and then the end game for Bane finally coming in and snapping him like, oh, why couldn't somebody just adapt that? But I mean, they did. Christopher Nolan did an okay job of adapting that story sort of for uh, Dark Knight Rises. Mm-hmm. But just the the breadth and depth of uh, Bane's plan in the Nightfall um, series was just spot on. That was that was just grueling to watch Bruce go through it, but it was enthralling. <laughs> Looking through your collection, and you got the Highlander katana. Yep, that's the only weapon I have in my house. <laughs> nice, dude. And then also you have a Funko Pop of Agent Carter. I mean, the real. Agent Carter. <laughs> oh, show yeah. that no one watched that was amazing. Um so props, man. Yeah, good collection here. Um yep. Yep, that's my office the website? <laughs> What's that? Can I post this up on Pop Geeks in the no- show notes? Sure. Alright. Yeah. Um go to popgeeks.com if you want to see uh MJ's Badical collection. So yeah. Um, anything yeah, else it, that, uh, that you want to say on your collection here? Um, no, just outside of I never thought I'd be 43 years old and have a room completely filled with action figures, but here I am. Toys. Yeah, <laughs> I love uh, your uh, spawn and violator. What, what about the kids? Do uh, you think they're going to like uh, want to touch them and bang them up? <laughs> they're all without, out of reach of them for now. <laughs> Good. <laughs> Good to hear. But, yeah, that's why all those shells you see in those pictures there, they're mounted at least uh, six feet off the ground. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Um, my geekery. I'll start with uh, the Dungeons & Dragons movie. Did you guys see it? I've not. Yes, I've heard nothing I but good things. I need to see it. I heard nothing but good things. It's unfortunate they released that a week before Super Mario Bros. Because that should be yes. making bank... Uh, actually, I, I can't tell. I loved it, too. Um, I thought it was a fantastic movie. I will be getting the Blu-ray of that, because that's another one that I want to get the uh, director commentary on, because it looked like they had so much fun, and there was so much... I saw so much world-building creativity in, like, um, the directing. There's, like, this heist that they did with um, teleporting mirrors, and, and the creativity behind that was just astounding. Um, it's the D&D movie that I've always made God bless them. They even uh, did a cameo of my 80s Dungeons and Dragons kids cartoon. Uh, <laughs> that was so much fun. Um, my only gripe I'll say is like, uh, they're, they're doing a little bit too much. Like, So, uh, was it? Michelle Rodriguez is a, a badass berserker chick, and she's awesome. But I think that to make sure that she is the warrior, it took away from time from being a warrior at all. Like, he doesn't have a weapon. Like in Dungeons and Dragons, please, everyone should have a sword at their hip or a wand or a weapon. And well, just to make sure the- that she's the fighter and he's not, like he doesn't, he gets a loot. And like, uh, like I would love to see them back to back where, like he's a, a rogue and rogues, you know, they're like uh, fantasy ninjas. So I thought he was a bar- uh, sword and dagger. bard. I thought oh, he was bard. a bard. He is. You're right. You're right. He's a bard. Although, like. And all the books in like Dungeons and Dragons and stuff, bards were pretty good, capable of like sword wielding. Uh, it's just like I just want to see like they're a great duo, 
and having them back to back, you know, both wielding weapons, I think that would have worked really well. And I wanted that. So that's my only gripe. Like, but he did comes- wield a weapon. It was his wit. Come on. Ugh, yeah, I get it. I get like they're, they're trying to section off like the t- talents. I get it. But I uh, like in my Dungeons and Dragons books and and playing and whatnot. It's always important to me to see. Well, so what's your signature weapon? What's your signature weapon? And then loot. going too far in a Dungeons and Dragons world, no one goes around with just the loot. Give him a sword. Or hey, something. it works on The Witcher for that one guy. Come on. Does it? Did it? I actually didn't watch enough of it. He doesn't have a weapon? Uh, not that I remember from the first season, at least, that I did watch. Yeah, that's my only tiny gripe. Uh, the, if you're in Dungeons and Dragons world, please, please have a sticky signature weapon strapped. Other than that, everything was fantastic. Like Right down to making sure that every character got to have their hero moments, um, their big hero moments, and then... Uh, they made it a complete beautiful team effort where there was like the final boss and like, they were all just like blazing together, diving and shooting. And it was just like a, a great symphony of action that um, was fun to watch. Uh, the that action was a nice was so Avengers good. moment. Yeah. So, yeah. Avengers. Yeah. Like the Avengers final beat down moment. And uh, I would even say like there's the action was so good that Michelle Rodriguez was just like, just wailing on some guards in a closed space and I was just like watching and flowing with it. And then off to my right, someone like walked down the aisle. I reflexively jumped away from the to dodge the, the strike. But I was like, oh, oh, that was just a person, <laughs> just a person. I was, I was just, yeah. So the Dungeons Dragons movie has barely hit 170 million. And that's sad. Um, it really is. Yeah. I, I want that is a franchise I want so bad. And uh, like, unlike almost any movie I've heard of uh, in recent years, I keep on hearing more and more of my friends keep on going, I'm making plans. Oh, yeah, I got plans. And then, like, my friend took uh, his boys to see it, and they're, like, preteens, and they loved it. So, unfortunately, I think it's going to be, like, a cult classic to a whole bunch of people. But, yeah, I could go for so many of these movies from these directors. It was so good. Yeah, any movie that makes Chris Pine tolerable is... Amazing in my book. <laughs> you don't like I, know, I know that Clash is against Void Catch. He, they they express their deep love of uh, Chris Pine. I just I can't tolerate him. It, it, if it wasn't for this, uh, the first Wonder Woman movie and um, Star Trek Beyond, I, I could really do without ever hearing or seeing about Chris Pine ever again. Where did you see him that you didn't like him? Oh, just all the various other little junk roles. He just there's just some tonal dissonance that he has with ever every other role I've ever seen him in. It just doesn't play right for what that role's being asked to do. And just all right. But when yeah. he, interesting, but, I've I've never uh, you're like the only person I've ever seen who really dislikes him. Everyone's kind of like rooting for him to like you know uh, destroy uh, you know retake his role Hollywood supremacy that Chris Pratt seems to be enjoying. <laughs> I know the big battle of the curses between him and Chris Evans and Chris Pratt. It's like, whatever. Is Hemsworth out of running now? Oh, that's right. I forgot a Chris. Thank you. Um, But no, I mean, I think Pine is at his best when he finds that right balance of humor with, you know, just going with the flow of the story. And I thought he was pretty damn good in this one. And I must say, I have never seen Bridgerton, but I can see why everybody loved Bridgerton because Reggae Jean Page, that is one pretty dude. Yeah, Holy that's a crap. handsome dude. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. I don't care what the orientation you are, that you just gotta admit the dude's pretty. But yeah. um, and it's at some point I would like to see Justice Smith 
get a part in a movie where he's an alpha to start. The only time <laughs> I've seen him be an alpha to start was the third uh, Jurassic World movie, or the which was basically an apology for the second one. Yeah, at some point um, I'd like to see him step up and like be the alpha. He doesn't have to be start. squirrely. Well, right. I, I personally kind of hate Justice Smith. He's like one of those people who I don't understand why he keeps on getting roles. I thought he was terrible in the Detective Pikachu movie and in a non-presence mm. in the Jurassic World movies. He's like one of those people who I don't understand keep on getting work like the, uh, whatchamacallit, uh, the, the red-haired girl, uh, the, the mixed-race red-haired girl from... Um, oh, so, from... Oh. <laughs> Falcon and Winter Soldier and oh, yeah. Uh, Willow. Yeah, yeah and Solo... I, I, <laughs> I, I think oh, they right, benefit greatly. That's right. She uh, she definitely benefits greatly from her look. Like she pops <laughs> on screen. Although, uh, yeah, she's never been the greatest character uh, uh, on screen. Although I, I sometimes wonder if, like, well, okay, it's her acting too. But like the, the you guys feel about her the way I feel about Chris Pine. There you go. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Justice Smith. I I'm always pulling for him because like. I, I long for my non-stereotypical black dude who gets to be a hero. And exactly. I think that's why, cause like, you're right. You guys are like, like I have a bias for him for that, but uh, I will say that he has not exploded as like an A-list or B-list act. You know, oh, I'm on the B-list, but like, he hasn't exploded as like a, uh, uh, as a force we reckoned with. And, but I can tell that Hollywood really wants to make him that. So, Oh, and then also like they they broke the rule of like the of what do you do with black men in movies? Um, you can only have one, and in the dragons we have two Eversley, and they both get to be big heroes, and it's just like something that um most people won't notice, but it just never happens. So that when you do see it on your screen, you're like oh my god, it actually happened, and they didn't do the just like uh, usually you either have to emasculate them or or mutilate them. Neither thing happened. Every hero, uh, the thief, the rogue, uh, the thief, the bard, uh, I went, uh, uh, the druid, the druid, not the thief. Each person got their hero moment. I loved it. Uh, it was a great movie. So my fingers are crossed. I, I keep on wanting like to think that, all right, 170 millions, you know, that's, that's like 20 million over their budget. I'm ignoring the market. Please, please, please make like I just want I mean that like all this positive buzz will make them just take a chance on like you know what maybe the second one will make more please unless it unless it like unless on demand like uh you know, as Matt Damon says that like the DVD market's dead so you know I don't yes, think that's do yeah much. yep all right I'm glad they tried though um Isaac your next geek thing. All right, so I gave you the good reality TV. Now here's my weird track. Okay, so there's this thing I that just started. Uh, I'm super impressed with it. I'm super obsessed with it. It is called Fish Tank. Have either of you heard of it? I would be very surprised if no. you have. I think uh, I've seen whispers. I don't know what it's about, though. All right, so how should I explain it? Um, it's from this controversial kind of edgy comedian, Sam Hyde, if you've ever heard of him. He had a show on uh, Adult Swim, but he got basically kicked off by, like, Tim Heidecker. If I was to describe a- Sam Hyde and what his content is like, he- he's kind of like, uh, I-, I guess, the-, the polar opposite of Eric Andre, uh, c- kind of like the-, 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 the conservative right-wing edgy version of that. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, he- he's an interesting figure. Uh, I- I- to me, I... 
I have this weird affection towards like people who can like make edgy content in the modern era just because like mm-hmm. the cost is so fucking high. Like, you know, minutes ago, we, me and Keith were both watching the video about it's a Gundam uh, potentially losing his, all, all of his, uh, you know, YouTube, uh, money. Uh, so it's, it just seems like it's getting harder and harder, uh, to like make that edgy content. You can't say the re- certain things. You, you can't push the boundaries too much. So here's a guy who had like the dream. He had his own sketch show on Adult Swim. He got kicked off of it and it was basically just like living on the fringes of the internet, but still persists. And I think what endeared me to him was like, um, do either of you know the iDubs Sam Hyde saga? Probably not. Right. Uh, so, so, sorry, no. All right. Oh boy, I'm, I'm gonna have some fun with this. Uh, all right. So, was, well, really quickly, what's funny is like I'm trying to look up like what's fish tank, what's fish tank. And then like I found like all these images of like these like buff dudes in fish tanks. I'm like, so this is what's getting <laughs> you hyped? Or, I'm just looking at fish tanks. What? Where's this even going? No, but, no yeah, it's no, a show right, called right. We're, we're Tanked, not Fish Tank. Anyway. <laughs> I was like, how are, what are you, how is what he's saying adding up to these buff dudes next to fish tanks? Anyway. So I'm doing the same thing. I did a quick Google to find out what the heck it's is up with it. And I found a, found a tweet. So that Sam Hyde fish tank thing is a good example of this, where out of seven people, not one of them realized trying to warm up pizza still inside the box in the oven would cause a fire. <laughs> so I think that's an accurate description of it. Oh. You're, 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 you're getting closer to it. You're getting closer to it. Um, Sweet all Jesus. right. So, so, so right. Let, let, let me, let me, yeah. let me finish yeah, my story. Now I'm looking at, I think it's the sure, right yes, images now, yes. at least. Sorry. Uh, uh, all right. So uh, basically, like, there was this famous guy on YouTube. He was, like, held in really high regard. I-dubs. He was originally an edgy boy. He would say N-word, F-slur. Basically, say it as, like, an example of free spirit. Like, these words don't mean anything. I'm going to say them as much as possible. Uh, he made this mm-hmm. famous series called Content Cop, where he would call out, like, bad YouTube. YouTube actors and like kind of like shame them. Uh, he was a legendary series, but now he's a reformed edge boy who now like I guess finds lol cows and does a, you know YouTube boxing events. So he wanted to do a documentary on Sam Hyde to kind of get back at him, make him look stupid, uh, kind of like showcase uh, all the people that um, are his fans that call him a cuck because he has an OnlyFans girlfriend. He's gonna get him back. Uh, but <laughs> Sam Hyde, wow. ever the tricky, um, what you call um, uh, the rabbit basically uh, kind of played into the stereotype and created this whole event where he basically punked him, where he, he just had like uh, all, all these degenerates pretend to be his workers and like would argue about SoundCloud rappers. He hired this woman to pretend to be his like druggy girlfriend and he all thought it was real that he was like getting this huge expose. And basically, uh, you know, the guy who thought he was Bugs Bunny was out Bugs Bunny by the real Bugs Bunnied. Um, um, so eventually, the, the, yeah, uh, I'll send you the link to the two documentaries, yeah. in his version and the iDubs documentary, and, and, and they're both super fascinating. One is kind of like from a performed edgelord who's like looking to skewer a, a real edgelord because basically he's like, you know, he hides too much behind his irony. Um, you know, you, you need to say what you really mean versus, uh, you know, Sam Hyde, who kind of functions under the old um ethics of edgy comedy which is basically is like as long as you're not directly harming anyone anything goes um and and, you know this this reformed edge boy wants to skewer the old edge boy but then it escalates where uh you know the the i-dubs after inspired by boxing with sam hyde starts this creator clash and sam hyde uh whatchamacallit uh how do you how do you fuck with creator clash how how do you fuck with this guy Uh, you Mm -hmm. you train one of the guys who's fighting it and and the the funny thing is 
is that oh, he's shit. actually he actually like he gives the, this guy the real experience of like kind of getting into his inner circle and seeing how he works that he didn't give iDub so it was like this indirect kind of fuck you and not only that he he he, he gets him to win the fight he he, he 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 like turns the guy the guy Harley Morrison from Epic Meal Time into a beast who dominates <laughs> and so now like he gives him the legitimate experience and iDub's is pissed so he doesn't let him into creator clash um it won't even let him support his boy and of course he loses which it was just hilarious and then sam hyde himself is like you know what i'm gonna get into influencer boxing i want to fight hassan piker so he puts on the show that keemstar lets him do an influencer boxing and he puts on this weird character where, like i'm the candy man I, and he, he talks in limericks in like all the publicity events all just so he can get to the point where he says like i want to fight you hassan piker and of course i'm like you know screw the 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 influencer boxing let, let let's just do political boxing let, let, let's for, forget the sportsmanship let's, let's let's get lefties and righties you know fight each other in the ring and of course hassan ducks him he's like i don't want to fight a nazi because like it doesn't matter you can raise a billion dollars for trans charities you could like have him like you know admit to like you'll never make content again whatever stakes you want um but like you know, it doesn't matter how good it is. The idea of losing to this guy, and the chances are you you are gonna lose. He he does know what he's doing. Uh, not only did he train himself to win his fight, he also trained another guy to win another fight uh, in an influencer boxing. So he's like three for three. And then there was another drama where he was gonna train a fourth guy in the Creator Clash two, but then they kicked him out of Creator Clash two uh, because supposedly he made bad comments. But it was real. The subtext was that he uh, j- just didn't want him a part of it. So I, all right, anyway. Anyway, this is why I find this person interesting, although he is an edgy person, and I, I completely understand why people wouldn't. So he has this new project called Fish Tank. So basically, it's like uh, Big Brother, where he gets eight contestants, like real people, real internet people, internet autists, as you would uh, say, and puts them in a house. And they, they basically, it's a smart house. So just about every room, without the except for the bathroom, for obvious reasons, has a camera. And... He had a website and you could switch in real time between all the cameras. Basically, it's like a real big brother minus the, you know, the, 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 how the uh, reality TV bullshit. Uh, so mm-hmm. it, it's just super fascinating to watch these people in the, I, I can't stop watching it. And the whole thing was so successful that like the servers they were using to run it, like, uh, it cost like $3,000, $30,000 for, uh, for running for three days. So now it's down, unfortunately. And they're like desperately trying to put it up so the here's the real magic though the real uh, ironic magic is that so it's eight people uh the last one in wins like ten thousand dollars but there's this strange element of user interaction where you can uh buy like coins and you can either use it to like uh talk to uh, use talk to spec talk to text to talk to the contestants directly or you could buy fish toys and either mess with them or reward them so you can buy them snacks you can buy them loot crates you can steal their oh. bed uh it is just like this kind of kind of dystopian kind of wholesome because like what, what's interesting is like you know oh you've got this t- toxic thing they're just going to do all these toxic things uh towards these people to torment them but then there's like this whole wholesome element where people are like being really in- 
endeared as these like kind of people who are kind of awkward, but then eventually their their shells break down and they have these honest conversations. They're also really you know some really stupid people. So like there's this one girl who everyone thinks is autistic, but then she's like she's our queen, she's our stinning queen. Josie's the best. We love Josie. And then there's this one die guy who's a stutter, but he's like an Andrew Tate fan, and people despised him. But then eventually they they kind of like came around to him. So like it's this ultimate combination of like internet culture edginess but also a strange beat of wholesomeness as cultures creating like people rooting for these people and, and like you can even see like you know they do live streams where they do behind the scenes where they're like managing things and they're like uh you know you, you think you want us to like you know uh, have you you scream at the girl that they're fat but you, you don't want that we're you know we're not they, they become strangely protective of these uh people just because you know they're, they're they're putting up with this insane challenge as they do this reality show so on one hand it's like this bizarre parody but it's also like like what all the big brothers and survivors and other reality shows pretend to be, but but it's real and it's just strangely compelling. Um, I wish the site was live so you could like look it out, but there's like lots of clips, but it is just like switching through. And then when something happens and like, you know, the Sam Hyde guy basically plays like this kind of like deranged host character who like comes in like, yeah, oh, I worked for 10 years as a freelance to get the opportunity that you guys hear. And in a strange way, these people are actually getting an opportunity. Like a lot of them uh, can basically transition into streaming careers once this is over and they'll have built in fan bases. Um, so, so it's just this incredible thing. It's probably the most interesting thing I've seen come out of internet culture, uh, in the past, you know, five, 10 years. Uh, it's mm-hmm. perverse. It's wrong. It's kind of fucked up, but it's also strangely wholesome, uh, to, to see this like thing blow up. Uh, and, and wait, wait, wait. I, I, um, how what part is this strange what's the wholesome part <laughs> this is the wholesome. This, is, this is insanity and like uh the part you mentioned is that you can send them like loot boxes and resources yeah yeah so like it's, it's pricey i wouldn't recommend it but like if you wanted no, to i wouldn't just, do it but i mean like, yeah. that sounds amazing to do in a, in a reality show that that like the audience can directly affect things like that i've yeah, not heard yeah. that idea before it's like fish toys so they, they you know it's like kind of like a microtransaction thing where you you buy coins and then they have different fish toys and one of them is like you feed your favorite contestant a snack uh that feed Damn. your give your contestant a loot crate turn the heat down turn it up or do something malicious like uh stealing their bed which is like costs like 600 800 to do that if you want to want to uh, go that far you know the, the prices are, are, are suitably high to a uh, accommodate for the, like you know the production process of actually doing it so uh, it is just just so strange and i guess what's wholesome is like seeing people like genuinely get invested and in root for these people and like create memes uh and culture around them uh which you know on one hand the malicious part is like just fucking with these people and you know saying mean things but then you get these like things of support uh and the talks to text speech uh and you know this is something wholesome about the you know the girls in the room and then people or just like, you know, oh, Josie, you are the best. Uh, just the talk-to-text speeches mm-hmm. uh, messages coming in. I, I, it's just this weird experiment that has been uh, completely uh, uh, enormously successful. I think you're going to... And he, here's the real question, you know, because it's made by Sam Hyde. Is Idubs going to get revenge? Is he going to, like, have the New York Times write an article and then um, have them uh, try and uh, uh, stop it and pull the plug? Because right now, uh, what they did is uh, the site's dead. They're going to try and get it back up on Monday. Monday. Um, 
but they've been like having the feed run through their YouTube channel. So you can have it, but uh, you know, if you want to see what I'm talking about, uh, uh, you know, just fish tank clips, you'll, you'll find them around. You'll find the sort of memes or the best moments and you'll g- get an idea of like why I, but like when it's live and you could like flip through the feeds and like see the, to the chat and like, it, it just becomes this all encompassing obsession that like, even when it's boring, you're kind of like waiting, having it on the background. When's something exciting going to happen? When are they going to talk about something weird? Like, uh, uh, Ooh, have you ever taken, did your come it's just so much more real than anything else i've ever seen in the space and i i am just strangely enraptured and obsessed by it uh and i i can't wait to see what happens or where it goes over the course of the next uh, uh three weeks like like even like things like you know like one thing they gave him a challenge like you, you need to come up with a sketch comedy and then you know one group goes to pa- you know uh practice for eight hours and the other group is like no We'll, we'll be fine. We just, you know, if it's not funny in five minutes, then, uh, you know, there's no more. Tr- we don't need to prep any more for it. So, yeah, uh, I've just been like down this rabbit hole or, you know, I heard about it and to see it like executed and actually work. It's this strange bit of magic, um, which I, I am enraptured and cannot uh, look away from. Damn, dude. Black Mirror already covered this. Yeah, 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 there is something dystopian and Black Mirror-esque about it. Uh, I, I'm curious. I, I will talk uh, for me. I can't handle reality shows, especially if it goes that hard. Um, like I, I'll be like when it comes to um, I, I, I can't even handle celebrity interviews. Like when people like the real people and like it's so unpredictable about like who's gonna mess up or flub whatever what they're trying to say. Um, it just always makes you so uncomfortable and. I can't take it, and I'm curious about like the 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 structure of what you just uh, described is like nothing I've uh, I guess I, I'll say it's nothing I've ever heard of before. But then again, I don't watch reality, so I'm not sure if anything like this has ever been attempted ever. I mean, there, there, there are things that pretend to be this, but they're, they're so structured and edited and controlled that it doesn't mm-hmm. quite feel as real as this. Since most reality shows are like heavily produced, heavily structured, uh, and um, to the point where it is just this artifice of reality versus this, this is real. Like, all right, I, I just went to it, and they're, they're all eating pizza. They're all sitting around. Oh, oh the, what you call it? The guy's in his costume in the background. Uh, now he's doing push-ups. Uh, and like, uh, oh, I, I just, I, I yeah, don't yeah. know. If send I'm me a, cl- send me a, yeah, send me a clip so I can see how much I can take because it sounds fascinating. Yeah, uh, if you want to see, just this is why I can't stand reality television. It just seems like disingenuous entertainment because no matter how what form it's taking on, if you know there's a camera in the room, you're gonna be putting on a performance. Rally TV, they all keep pushing that. Oh, this is real. This is real people being real. I'm like bullshit. They know well, cameras on. They know people are watching. It's always going to be a performance. That's why I prefer just actual scripted stuff where yes, they're actually admitting love- what's going on, as opposed to reality shows. It's like, well, it's not scripted. Yeah, bullshit. You're scripting in your head right now. You're double True. thinking. You're second guessing everything you're doing because you're wondering whether it's going to make you either look like an asshole or if it's going to be entertaining and if you're going to have a career after whatever this is is done just reality tv drives me insane i i did love i i got uh, I, I was into it at the very very start of real world and then i think i dropped off after san francisco with puck i i could never get into any of it, it just 
this is the real yeah. world. These are real kids doing real stuff. I'm like, bullshit. You're in a oh, house yeah, that like, none of them are going to be able to afford in the next 30 years. Real people just, arguing no. real in real life makes me like, ah, yeah, it, it kills me. It kills me. But <laughs> I'm curious about the structure of what this thing is that you just described. Like, that is, in, and like, the path of, where, of creation where it came from. People yeah, are I- out of their minds. I think the reason why I'm so impressed is like none of this thing is easy to do. The website hosting, Mm -hmm. building a website, uh, like building the mechanism that where people can like pay for the the interactive components. Like Mm -hmm. I I don't think it's fully operational until like the fish toys are live. But like seeing the talk to text speech was like something strangely magical. Is like seeing people react and seeing them moderate in real time and seeing this thing evolve. Uh, but yeah, I'll, I'll send you. I'll send you some clips. Uh, but uh, all right. So uh, I, I told you why I find this strangely fascinating. And you know, as much of an edgy boy as Sam Hyde is, you know, I find it strangely rooting for like anyone who can build something from from scratch uh, when the world is against you and you don't have like the resources of like a Seth Rogen where everyone's kissing your ass and you get the big meanings and the big bucks. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. Anything else about the this madness? And oh, what, really quick, what's it called again? Oh no, fish tank, right? Fish, fish tank. tank, fish yeah. tank. Okay, fish tank. Whew. Cool. All right. Anything else about this? Um, that's about it for now. Right on. <laughs> Good rant, dude. Uh, MJ. <laughs> oh, what do you? What, uh, what else have you been geeking on? Oh. Watching the glorious return of Star Trek to actually giving a damn again with the third season of the card. Sweet mother Mary, where has this been since New Trek came back? Actually Um, giving a damn about the lore, actually giving a damn about the characters, actually giving a damn about the fan base. mm -hmm. That's all ten episodes of season three of Picard were just it was a joy to watch. Yeah, Isaac, are you into Star Trek, or did you see this happen? Uh, I've heard nothing but good things. I don't have the Paramount Plus app. Uh, I'm, I'm kind of curious to see it, because I've, yeah, I've heard um, uh, good things about Picard, and that the third season was like the saving grace of um, the entire series. Of Star Trek, in general. like the, I've been waiting for this since the 90s. Like When the movies hit, like they were really uh, mostly bad, I think. Uh I'll 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 even gather I'll, I'll take it I'll say it first contact I'm sorry it wasn't that, that good um oh, it's the best of all oh, the bad ones oh, oh, yes, oh, God just, I know I know like, it's a popular it's, opinion but I, I I actually really like first contact Pop, yeah I I, I I I for me like I the only reason why I liked first contact was like it was it was not really that horrible like so so like here here like my point of view of Star Trek is that like. Star Trek is not guns blazing, and uh, First Contact was a lot of guns blazing action movie. And a good Star Trek for me is like basically Interstellar. Like if you're gonna do Star Trek a movie, it should look like Interstellar. It shouldn't look like Die Hard. And that's why I get all fussy about it. Where I enjoy it, but ugh! so so for me, um, I, uh, although season three was pretty guns blazing. Um, it was closer to finally the the next generation gets the undiscovered country send off where uh, yes. you get to see all the characters at the top of their game, um, and also like the, one of the biggest critiques in the movies was like how all the characters were starting to act out of character. They seem like 
directing more like the actors themselves versus the the characters they were in the TV show. Uh, uh, um, that's so, interesting. Yeah, like and someone mentioned how um, the reason why is because they've been doing these characters for like ten years, and by then they've been burnt out, and they feel they just want to probably be themselves, and they're finally in a movie, and they just want to have some fun for a while. But you know, fun is not you know great storytelling. It's like them having a party on the screen. Here, you get to see like the love of each other, them maybe just maybe missing being those characters again, and yeah, the, the season three has been. Like, it just makes you kind of wonder, like, why haven't you been doing this? Why didn't anyone want to do this from the beginning? Where we went through the hilarious, um, and I still kind of stand by it. I've, I kind of loved how horrible season one and two of Picard were. Um, they were atrocious, and I laughed so hard um, through them. So At that- least season one, they were trying. Season two, they just gave up. I that was such a train wreck. Question how much I saw try I saw a t- yeah, season one was really bad to me. Like but anyway, yeah, season three, all of a sudden it's like the Star Trek we should have been getting this entire time where people know what Starfleet is, characters acting character, things built up from the past and things built in the future, caring about starships. It it all worked out and it was beautiful. I cried like a couple times. Um, during that, so yeah, MJ, how many times did you cry? Uh, I teared up towards the end of episode nine when they brought him when uh, Jordy brought him back to the Fleet Museum. They opened up uh, Shuttle Bay 12 or uh, Bay, oh, um, yes. Bay 12. That was I, I was seven years old again watching Counter at Farpoint with my dad again for the first time. That was that was great. Dude, the but, music um, welling up and yeah, seeing yeah, the no, Bryson just, just cruise across the screen like, thank you. Fucking thank you. All this time we've been on that La Serena Millennium Falcon ripoff in a Star Trek show. Like, what were they thinking? Now, that was Kurtzman and Michael Chabon trying really hard to reinvent it, and so it wasn't a complete nostalgia trip. And to that effect, I do give Chabon and Kurtzman some credit. But the problem was the new cast that they surrounded Picard with was mediocre at best. Firefly team. Which is fine if the characters were not in Star Trek tolerable, um, but uh, you know, then towards the end of the first season, just hey, look, there's Brent Spiner as another Sung, yay, give him card, and it just and all the sadism that was in the first season, like all of the legacy characters, like Hugh just died horribly, and like that's Hugh deserved better than that. Every oh my god, they the punked Hugh for no that. good reason. They had season incest two. twins in there trying oh, to be Game of Thrones. Yeah, no, yeah. seasons one and two are just bad ideas, and season three is just you know watching Riker and Picard bounce off each other and just pal around again, and slowly getting the band back together. I mean, it, it wasn't perfect. I mean, I still have a major problem with the fleet sync mode that everything that they use as a linchpin for the whole season and. Totally ignoring the Gerardi Borg from the end of the second season. I mean, yeah, second season happened. Don't totally ignore. And they them, mentioned it. They mentioned it, but I am one throwaway was, line from Shaw in like the fourth episode. Because yeah, that was it. <laughs> yeah, and I, because f that stuff, man. Like, what what were they doing with the Gerardi Collective? <laughs> but like, uh, I, I guess they're out there. They're a thing right. that is out there that maybe can be addressed ever again. But 
God, that was just terrible. Running around LA adventure uh, results in a new Borg species. <laughs> Wait, didn't like the musical episode? Come on. Oh. But, um, <laughs> no, yeah, I mean, I just, yeah, him. it was. I mean, I, I loved what they did with Worf and bringing him back in and him using Worf to slowly reform the character of Rafi because they went so hard making Rafi suffer so much in the first two episodes. And just, could you just not do pick one character and make them be the budging post for the entire series? But by the end of the, yeah, by the end of the third season, like, okay, you, you're totally redeemed Rafi. You've got the big ending for seven of nine. And it just, you had a character that everybody loved. And then you killed tragically, which I knew they were going to do from the very first. Cause it was, basically the same as that ensign character that McFarlane had in Orville season three. And as soon as they showed up with Shaw, I'm like, Oh, they're going to kill him. And lo and behold, they killed him. But, um, no. And if there's one gripe I do have about the series is that they, the way they played out the whole series and some of the devices that they use is they didn't use the defiant. Um, really annoyed. They didn't use the defiant. I understand that it was stolen. Some of the thunder from bringing that, bringing back the enterprise D and budget from they can only make one bridge, right? But you had a ship that already had a cloak installed, and yes, Worf had familiarity yeah. with the ship, and that would have yeah, been, I, I been better gonna, I for the big Return of the Jedi moment in the finale, and just I thought we were going to get a fleet of the classic ships. Um, I thought that was going to be awesome, seeing like the Excelsior, uh, Defiant, Voyager, and Enterprise like riding into battle together. But I understand we're closing the loop of TNG only right now, right? So it had to be the D, and and I, I would say that was the right call for what they're doing here. So uh, my only gripe is spoiler alert: uh, calling the Titan, renaming the Titan the Enterprise. They didn't have to do that. I, I get. Why? Because they're once again closing up a loop, but the Titan itself was a great ship, and right. I think it should have just been the Titan, because it's awesome on its own, and it didn't need... You don't have to make it the Enterprise to be special. Well, they had the Enterprise F with um, um, Commander Shelby, and, or with Admiral Shelby, and that was a good deep cut. They had, you, you recognize Shelby, right? Oh, yes. Or I didn't know... Well, I didn't recognize her first by Sar, um, and... Yep. Like a clip show or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I won't say too much more of like what happened there because I don't want to spoil it. But and then like yeah, like um, my favorite Star Trek video game, uh, Star Trek Online, is getting all kinds of like tips of caps to it, where the Enterprise F is from straight up uh, Star Trek Online. Star Trek Online is still is still running. I always thought it kind of like died out in the MMO purge after like most nope. of them did. Oh, really? Interesting. It's still out there. Yeah. Um. Like uh, I, I just opened up, I I I posted up a gameplay of uh, me and my friends playing it on my YouTube channel, and I'm enjoying. Like I'm only still like I'm not even hit. I've hit like 45 views, which for me is like holy shit. And I'm kind of enjoying seeing like the number just keep going up. Like, and yeah, me and like the the four host hosts, uh, hosts, four host hosts are going to be uh, playing some more Star Trek Online together because for me that Star Trek Online. I feel like that is just massively underrated. Like that is one of my favorite video game experiences of all time. Like I have even almost played close to like KOTOR levels of enjoyment of like, yeah, I've never seen Star Trek be better played in a video game than here. Like uh, I would even put Star Trek online 
um, up there with like TV series. It is like the is the sequel series that we always wanted after Voyager or yeah after Voyager. This is where Star Trek Online goes in the direction we wanted to see after Voyager. So yeah, uh, is the is the gameplay like all ship based or is it? Uh, do you like um, both? Oh, interesting. You make yourself a character and. Uh, You'll sometimes go down to planets and space stations. You, you do basically TV shows and movies in there, where um, you'll you know warp you'll warp into a system, beam down to the space station. Maybe you'll get jumped by aliens, and you have to use whatever phaser that you have chosen from like the canon of the show that you've bought from the store or the or Batleth, and you and your crew handle whatever there. And then all of a sudden, three birds of prey just jumped in the system, beam us up, and you get your ship that you kitted out. And like you've chosen from like the canon and new canon, and then like yeah, you ship can blaze into battle, and then also you and I think three other friends can like blaze into battle side by side in these missions. So like when I was playing on my Xbox, uh, me and my buddy Brent, like we, yeah, we used to do like there's like a mission I was having trouble with, but our ships together like flying like you know information, it was just it, it was living the Star Trek experience. I can't recommend that game enough. Nice. But yeah, I I really hope that Terry Metalis, the showrunner for season three, is given the keys to Trek from here on out, because Kurtzman's proved his his vision of Star Trek is played out, and it's just horrible. And Metalis, I, I mean, I've got to go back and watch his 12 Monkeys series now after yes, watching season same. three, because that I, I was impressed. I was thoroughly impressed by this. Yeah, the, but the showrunner... I, I do hope I do hope if they do uh, Star Trek Legacy that they do answer the one outstanding question from Season 3. What does season 7 of 9 say when she goes into warp? Well, they're going to answer that. That's, that's That oh. goes without saying. Whether or not Picard eventually met Laris at that damn bar. <laughs> Don't leave yeah. Laris hanging, damn it! <laughs> uh, Picard got a very unnecessary love interest in Season 2 of Picard that never needed to happen. Orla Brady. Orla Brady deserves better than that. It would, yeah, it made zero sense. They're just doing it just to be doing it, and then like on like the the beginning of season one, he's like, "I gotta go on a mission." She's like, "I'll see you at this bar," and we never heard from her ever again. (laughs) Yeah, find yeah, find season three if you can. Um, it is it is fabulous. Um, let's see. I'll say. Uh, I have two things that I'm a geek on. Um, one of them is easily short. Um, the other one a little bit longer. Um, the little bit longer one is: Have you guys checked out this the Netflix show everyone's uh raving about beef? Not yet. No, I I mean I know what it is though. Uh, okay. Yeah. Um. Just uh. So far, I'm like halfway through. Uh. I guess there's not much to say except for fantastic uh character study. Great acting. Um, yeah, two characters who are having a hard time in life uh, seem to be finding joy in life because they found each other to justifiably hate. Um, that's what the, the what I'm experiencing. Like where they're both just having like these, there's like, these dead spots in their lives, and they kind of cross each other's paths, and um, almost like it's almost like a, a, a pranking game. That they're doing back and forth, they have like this genuine hate for each other. That seems like a almost like a relationship that they're using. 
I can't tell where this is going or if it'll turn into romantic. But yeah, the, it's a it's 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 all in the writing and the acting and seeing how they escalate the next prank to each other and they don't go to the authorities or loved ones to kind of keep the the keep a secret between them and escalating yeah, animosity. I'm curious is where this goes. Say again? The escalating animosity. I know it's like a big showcase for uh, Ali Wong and uh, Stephen Young, who's it's always nice to he- see his star rise. Indeed, and he is killing it. He is doing a great job. So, and Ali Wong is that the woman who is maybe probably yeah, his what rival? Yeah, she's the rival. Yeah. She's she's yeah. a famous. She's uh, she, she's like a big rising comedian who's uh, kind of like uh, hit like this. Um, Big, uh, she, she's uh, does a lot of voice acting, a lot of side things. She's kind of like, you know, uh, trying to ascend to that Aquafina level. I love her as well. She's she's got star power. Like uh, she kills at every scene, and yeah, you can definitely see that. Well, as I, I hope that Hollywood starts noticing her more because yeah, they're both at the top of their game in this show. Like, yeah, um, I definitely recommend it. And also, like the the best thing about it is. It's like 30 minute episodes where, yeah, like really? most like prestige television where you're like, uh, <laughs> uh, to have her two hours to watch <laughs> one episode. Okay, here we go. But yeah, in and out, you're like 30 minutes per episode and you get a lot of story per episode. So each episode satisfying. So it's not the annoying Netflix version of it's like, you know, cliffhanger this at the end. You got to watch the next. You got to watch the next. You get like a full story every episode. So it's easy <laughs> to just enjoy. How many episodes um, are in the first season? I think it's like 10. All right. So it's uh, an approachable number. Knock that out in two nights. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's, it's easy, great, substantial watch that you'll get a lot of enjoyment out of in like just great acting and writing. Um, and then the last thing that I've been geeking on is a book called Consider Phlebas. Um This is a science fiction book that I've been hearing about for or uh, a science fiction writer, uh, Ian M. Banks. Uh, I've been hearing about him for years, and I finally got around to checking out his book because, once again, like Star Wars has let me down, and I hunger for um, space cowboy sci-fi adventure. And is that Fleetus or Phlebus? Phlebus. P H L E B U S. Okay. Uh, I think it's from some kind of uh, Keats, Keats poem like that. Uh, and yeah, um, just stepping into the world, there was like a war between uh, something called the culture, which I think is um, being hinted at is like all of humanity across the galaxy has kind of gotten into a utopia of like, you know, being able to change their bodies at will and, uh, you know, flood themselves with drugs if they want to go into VR, live forever and then there's the aliens called the Iridians who have three legs and they're on a religious war against the culture. But that is the far away background to the story that we're on where the main character is a shapeshifter that he's not telling anyone. There it is. And he's on this ship called the clear air turbulence and basically running like firefly missions with a ragtag crew. Uh, it was written in 1987. So it's before all that and likely influenced it. And so far, it's been a lot of fun uh, listening to them talk about their equipment, the suits they're going, uh, trying to make the next big score uh, where one goes wrong against a 
a temple full of monks. And then the last thing I've seen them do is they're trying to find like maybe like I think a a city sized aircraft carrier that will give them good lasers. It's just like it's such a well done story that um you see in video games now, like Mass Effect has definitely read these books, but you get to see the start of it and it's been a lot of fun. It's just like Space Cowboy Adventure with rising uh harder and harder sci-fi in it with like great concepts that uh still have not been fully dug into yet. You just know are out there where um humanity is controlled or helped by the minds, these giant AIs and yeah, I'm just still getting to know the world. It has been so much fun. So yeah, if you're looking for a good space cowboy fun sci-fi read, consider Fleabus. Sounds like a so- solid right. recommendation because I think I've heard of the larger yeah, series that like involves the culture. I just forget what the um, yes. Uh, I know it's like considered to be like one of the like high, high sci-fi things uh, that uh, people love who are like really familiar with the genre. Mm-hmm. When it comes to science fiction. The culture series has been recommended for like decades. So it's finally, I'm glad I'm finally getting around into it. So yeah, it's been a lot of fun. Looking for a good book, good book to read. All right. um, Do you guys have anything else you're geeking on? Uh, Yeah. You still want to do recommendations or please? Oh, okay. Um, All right. I guess I'll go first then. Um, I know I've recommended it before on previous episodes of Banan, but I'm going to keep recommending it so that people can wash the taste of She-Hulk out of their mouth. <laughs> um, please, 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 if none of y'all have seen what, Orphan what Black yet, please watch Orphan Black. Oh, if yeah. you want to see Tatiana Maslany put on a masterclass in acting and be surrounded by a well-written, uh, well-composed, interesting, compelling show with a great ensemble cast... And where Tatiana Mazzolani plays six completely distinct characters and knocks out of the park with each one. Watch that. There's four seasons of it. There's a revival on the horizon for it. And yeah, if you want to see her at her best and just forget about She-Hulk, please watch Orphan Black. Please, 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 please. Yeah, I've heard nothing but amazing things about this show. Unfortunately, I'm not seeing it for free anymore. Where? Yeah, they just yanked it from streaming. I hope it comes back soon, but however you can seek it out and get a hold of it, please do, because that show needs more visibility again, especially after everyone getting on her about She-Hulk and She-Hulk in general. So it's like, that's not that's not her that's not at her best. Great. That's kinda not a great like example how, of what she's capable of doing. Kind of like how Captain Carter is not the real Agent Carter. That is not what makes Peggy Carter special. You need to see Agent Carter. Correct. That's what makes her special. Gotcha. All right, uh, Isaac, what would you recommend? Uh, I think I get, went through my um, recommendations. I don't think I have anything uh, new. I mean, and, uh, <laughs> I could start a Mandalorian discussion, but I think you want to save that for another time. Um, Indeed. Oh. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot. Yeah. So we'll, we'll save that, and I do want to get dinner. I'm trying to think. Is there anything else that I've been really been enjoying? Uh, you know what? Yeah, I'll give a little light recommendation. If uh, you want to enjoy Harry Potter... Actually, no. I, all right, I got two anime recommendations. Um, two light recommendations. Uh, Hell's Paradise is getting a pretty good anime adaptation. Basically, um, imagine an anime version of Annihilation. Where a bunch of people in um, 
basically a bunch of convicted cool, okay. criminals who are like uh, samurai and ninjas are sent. Uh, work. They're all convicted to die. So they're sent to this island that's basically like the annihilation area. It's like really creepy. It's filled with cool monsters. Uh, it's got this strange disease that like turns you into plants uh, and they have to go find the elixir of life. Uh, so th- th- that's basically the premise of Hell's Paradise, and the adaptation is pretty good uh, so far. So I- I'd-, I'd recommend that as something to follow. Uh, it's a really gorgeous adaptation. Uh, I think the universe and the uh, setting is really unique and interesting. And the other one is if uh, you want Harry Potter without the J.K. Rowling baggage, uh, there's another anime from a popular shonen man- anime series called Mashal. So basically, just uh, imagine One Punch Man if he went to Hogwarts. Interesting. <laughs> What's it called again? A uh, mashal. Okay. Uh, the animation is kind of like I don't know mid, but uh, the the humor's cute, starting to win me over. Uh, it's a series I've heard a lot of people talk about, but I I wasn't invested enough to read it, so I figured I'd wait till the anime adaptation, and it, it is here. Is it from the creator? Is I, I'm gonna guess it, it would have been if it was. You have said so because the animation does look like One Punch Man or Mob. Oh, no, it's not from one. Uh, but uh, yeah, okay. the, the character of Mashal is kind of similar, but it's not from one. Oh, all right. Yeah, here, here, here's another crazy recommendation. Uh, speaking of that, the the creator of uh, One Punch Man um, and uh, what you call it, uh, one. Uh, so he uh, has a new series called Verses, uh, and. I really, really like that. Uh, so basically the concept is um, there's a magical kingdom. Uh, they're trying to fight uh, the 47 demon kings. It's a losing battle. They're, they're screwing up. They're not winning. So what they do is they enact a spell, basically merges it with 13 other universes who are also having cataclysmic things. So all the characters have to band together and figure out how to defeat their natural ultimate enemy. Interesting. So, so, so like, the, there's a fantasy world where they're being overrun by demons. There's a sci-fi world where they're being overrun by robots. Um, the, 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 <laughs> basically, a bunch of universe. There's a Mad Max world where they're, they're overrun by, uh, you know, Mad Max bandits. So basically, it's like all the surviving humans uh, banding together, trying to figure out how, how they can defeat each other's respective ultimate enemies. And what's it called again? Uh, versus. Versus. Ooh, from one. Oh, and it's probably just a manga still? Yeah, it hasn't been adapted into an anime yet. Uh, it's still, like like I said, it's Ooh. really, really recent. Uh, just started like publishing a few months ago. Uh, so if you want to get on this hype train before it uh, hits mainstream town, and now's the time to load up on Versus stocks. Looking at the... <laughs> look at the images. looks freaking... Awesome. I love what I'm seeing here. <laughs> I, I feel like you'd enjoy it. Because at first it starts out, it's like kind of like boring and really cliche, and you're like, what when's the other shoe? What's the what's the twist? And then and the, <laughs> the pilot chapter when like they, they they cross the dimensions and they overlap with the sci-fi world and they have like sci-fi troopers shooting yes. the demons, and you're like, oh yes. Okay, okay, I'm in, I'm in. Uh, so yeah. I may have to look at this up. Yeah, yeah. All right, yeah, great recommendation. I, I had a feeling you, you you'd find that very interesting. Indeed. <laughs> yeah, I've been wanting to enjoy more stuff from that creator again, because I, I want that one punch man high again. I, I, I still haven't checked out Mob Psycho, Mob, which I might. Mob Psycho, I haven't watched the whole thing. I've heard nothing but good things, and I think I had a really good final season recently. All right. All right, then the last uh, recommendations for me. Um, 
One of them is, I'm not sure if I've said this before, I'm playing uh, Knights of the Republic 2 right now um, because I desire some just living myself into the Star Wars universe. Um, I played KOTOR 2 back on the original Xbox, and I never finished it. I was really pissed off at, like, so the first KOTOR was one of my favorite games of all time, still is, and I love that the I, I won this amazing victory for the entire galaxy. And then almost less Jedi style, uh, but not quite. Um, all of a sudden, like, the, the part two's coming out, and I'm told it's done by a different company, so I'm distrustful there, and you don't get to play as the character you've been building up all these years, or all those all the time you played it. So all that is gone. You're playing as a new character, and the world's in turmoil again. The Jedi are basically in hiding and wiped out. So it seems like I just they undid all of my story that I had built up. But um, now that I'm not blinded by rage, uh, I'm seeing that they did a great story in between the last episode of you know the first KOTOR and what I'm playing here. And using a nuker, that does mean I get to explore more and build up with a new team and get to see more new things. And um, a lot of the morality plays going on are very um, thoughtful. Uh, I've seen hours long YouTube uh, videos made about just how hard it swings at morality and what you think is good and what isn't. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, well now uh, I'm not sure what it is maybe decades old now. Uh, yeah. It still holds up uh, to the test of time. I'm I'm having as much fun with this as this as uh, any kind of new AAA game. I am fully invested, so I've been having a great time. Well, nice to see you rediscovering it. I know the Kotor is like a, has like really morally ambiguous storytelling that people love, and I remember hearing good things about it. Did you guys ever play a Kotor? I never played the old the old one. Although I know it's on the Switch, so who knows? Maybe one day I'll get it on discount and uh, give it a shot there. Yeah. Yeah, I recommend if you're looking for great sci-fi Star Wars, definitely try out KOTOR. It, it's all throughout time. Um, and then the last thing I'd recommend is Machine Robo, which I'm, I think I might have recommended already before. But uh, Machine Robo is basically Japanese bots. Um, all of the GoBots that we saw uh, in a completely different story animation style. So, like... Um, the character that was a bad guy in GoBots called Fightor, um, he is Blue Jet in, uh, Machine Robo, and he's an amazing, like, samurai, kick-ass character roaming the land, roaming the land of, like, this one planet that's kind of like, this of the North Star meets, uh, Transformers, basically. Um, it's a planet of, like, robots and Transformers, uh, that's pretty post-apocalyptic, harsh and it's animated as if uh if you're a transformers fan the entire show is basically animated like call of the primitives are you guys familiar with that whatsoever nope all right um is, 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 uh, is, yeah. it, uh, is it out now or is it an old show old show ah. and um on youtube and the animation style is um i'm not sure you sharp um fast uh it strikes hard and uh is, is highly dynamic is uh, I guess the best way to describe it. Uh, Call of Primitives was like this outstanding Transformers episode that fans all remember because it, it came like all the uh, animation was different from like almost any other episode of Transformers. 
where everybody has like all these kind of like sharp angles on them and they kind of move in more different different in like uh very dramatic stances uh and like the, there's like these harsh shadows all over the the colors so if you like call of the primitives if you're looking for some anime transformers action and you want to see your gobots in a new form of badassery i highly recommend looking up machine robo revenge of chronos uh, sounds like a solid recommendation. Cool, guys. All right. Isaac, uh, Isaac yeah, where can we find more of you on the internet? Uh, Lobster Magnet. Uh, you can check me out at Lobster Magnet Reviews on YouTube. Right on. MJ, where can we find you on the internet? I am on all the socials as MJ3342, and that's E-M-J-A-Y-3342. Right on. You can find me at Keith Justice on uh, Instagram, at Keith Hayward on Twitter, and you can find this podcast and more on popgeeks.com. Please look us up on YouTube. We're there too as Couch Command Unlimited. Uh, please like and subscribe as they say. Thank everyone for listening and uh, we'll see you in the next one. Take it easy. Geek out. Geek out.